Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cochois, and before starting the show today, I want to talk briefly about Nirvana CBD products. I've tried their muscle recovery lotion and it works great for the little body eggs we get training or performing. It has arnica extract, eucalyptus, camphor oil, and most important to me, zero THC. You can find Nirvana CBD products on their website at nirvanacbd.com. Today's shout out goes to Antonio from the Cirque Diary page on Instagram, who was, again, the first one to guess our guest today, David Henderson. David has a very unique perspective on life. He's a gymnastic icon and has been performing high bar in Cirque du Soleil shows for about a decade. I've had the chance to share the stage with him and was very inspired by his approach to health and performing. So here he is, the wise David Henderson. David, welcome to Tapis Rouge. It's a pleasure being here, Guillaume. Long time no see, man. It's been a while, a few years, huh? <laughs> so where are you at right now? What you're up to? Oh, man, I'm over in the East Coast in Vermont, just uh, coaching a little bit of gymnastics and keeping my body as healthy as possible. Yeah. Yeah, because I heard you are going back to Corteo, am I right? I am going back to Corteo after a, uh, a lot of thought about it, you know, talking with my wife and discussing these things in this day and age, you know, figured, you know, why not? Still got a little... Uh, health in my body to utilize so let's keep going with it <laughs> that's cool man congratulations after that long intermission you must be super stoked to go back on stage it's like uh, a bit of fear and a bit of excitement all, all in one you know hopefully i still got it that kind of feeling and then and i hope it works out also that kind of feeling and then also i'm excited to swing again while i still got it like i said to give our listener a little background story how did you start in acrobatics? What was your background? What was your first show? How did this whole circus thing started? Well, I guess it really started at the beginning of my gymnastics career. So I started gymnastics when I was 12 years old. Um, got involved with just watching my dad. My dad's a martial artist. He was flipping around all over the place. And I wanted to learn. So I was teaching myself in the backyard. He said, you know, if you really want to get learn this properly, learn from a from a coach so that's when i started gymnastics um back then uh fast forward and 20 20 plus years later uh, i get into cirque right after right after my career i still feel healthy enough to keep going and um and i would say may of 2010 is when i went to my first formation general formation in, in at headquarters in montreal and that's when they taught me how to how to be a circus artist and um the rest is history as they say Really, and my first my first show actually. So after after my formation, um, about a year after, I didn't have a contract following that, so I had to go home wherever home was for me at the time, and figure life out. And uh, I actually ended up getting a, a job at um, I was a tumble monkey in, at at Disney World at the Animal Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got that job, the moment I got the job and started training for it, Cirque finally shows up to give me my first contract with Corteo. Um, obviously, I accepted that contract, and um, about six months later, I was touring Europe. Barcelona was my first uh, city with Corteo and Cirque du Soleil. That's super cool. And were you doing gymnastics apparatus in Corteo? 
or like what were you what kind yeah, of acrobatics so my, were you doing so they hired me as a flyer so i was mainly a high bar swinger so i did i did an act called tornik which is a cube of high bars and um numerous guys in there were flying in between and all kinds of craziness going on in there but um high bar is my specialty and that's pretty much what they keep hiring me for if we backtrack a little bit i know you are quite famous in the gymnastic industry for a notorious <laughs> event that happened in 2000 i think something like that i believe yeah yeah i'm i think i'm picking up on what you're throwing down there uh, yeah so <laughs> involving <laughs> you was, showing who is yeah, the boss so, <laughs> <laughs> to to that demon of an event yeah so um It was actually it was actually my first international assignment um, as a as a national team member. I was top of my top of my game at that time. Um, I was actually a junior at that time and ended up qualifying to this competition as a senior. You know, mm -hmm. so with the big guys and uh, at the competition, you know, it's televised and everything, so it's on NBC. And if you go to YouTube, you can probably pull it up. But um, yeah, so I'm like first up on pommel horse, and I start my routines going decent. Had a little fumble with a hand as I'm going start falling boom pop, broke the pommel off <laughs> as I'm falling down I keep the pommel in my hand and I'm looking up at the crowd like uh I don't know what to do with this look at the judges like and they're like I don't know <laughs> but then what so happened so you broke the pommel out. horse you you ripped that off with your bare hands and then what happened it's like it's or like my, men or my or my <laughs> It was more my bare butt, <laughs> my, not my bare butt, but my butt ended up breaking it off, uh, kept it in my hands. But yeah, um, that had never happened in the competition before. So the, uh, the equipment managers weren't, weren't ready to handle that. So they didn't have anything, any way to, to replace it. So they had to go to a nearby club, just some random club that was in the vicinity to ask if they can borrow their pommels. Um, And at the end of the competition, I was able to to uh, finally redeem myself and hit that set. <laughs> so you had <laughs> to I wait, myself. and so other events were happening. You had to wait that they they brought back a different pommel horse, and you started again the routine on the second pommel horse at the end of the day. Pretty much. So um, we had to. So that was like our what second, first or second event, something like that. So we were just competing. Uh, we had to finish the whole competition, and that by the time we finished, by the time we got, I guess around to the fifth rotation they had finally come back with the uh with the pommels put them on and um yeah we were able to finish the competition and i i think uh it ended up all right <laughs> uh, that's cool but, yeah that's... but to, to this to this day everybody oh you're the guy and yeah. that's when i had more hair on my head so <laughs> uh, but dude i know because when so when i was on totem we heard that a new high bar artist was joining the team And when they announced that this new artist was going to be David Henderson, other frogs, like other high bar artists on the show, look at each other like, oh my God, that's that guy. That's that guy that ripped off the power horse. Like, and they were so excited oh, to, for, they were so excited for you to be part of the team. And it was so funny because they showed the video that is on YouTube to everybody being, oh, this guy's a beast. You ripped off this whole pommel thing. And you, <laughs> It was just so funny. Like I did it intentionally. Yeah, exactly. That's that's your legacy, man. That's your gymnastic legacy. Right? So awesome. Yeah. I have to remind people that I actually had pretty decent gymnastics as well <laughs> to go along with that. They didn't, Cirk, Cirk didn't hire me for my, for my brute strength skills alone. So. And 
now we can go back to your artist's career. So you start at Disney, you get the call from Cirque, general formation, and then Corteo. So when you first arrive on tour, what is that like? What's the life like? How do you feel as, as a person, as an artist? Like, what's that first start? How like, honest are we being on the show? Uh, be honest, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so I, man, I was super excited to start. I mean, just over the moon to be a, to be a part of the company and, and to just express myself artistically and just do whatever. Um, and formation was, was, it was like home for me. General formation was, it was, I was able to, to really express myself and act silly and, and, and know how to know intelligently how to, how to, um, position myself and, and to, to use the word again, express myself, express an idea to get that out. Then I get to the show. And for me, it was a big shock because I thought it was going to be more of this, um, this explorative experience. Mm -hmm. And, and I found that it was more restrictive in the sense of exploration and discovery. There's more restriction as far as what we could do. And it was just a matter of, um, just doing your job, which again, I'm very proud to do. Um, plus my family was on tour with me. So my first experience with Cirque du Soleil, um, was traveling the world with my wife. And at the time it was two kids. Yeah. Two kids at the time. Uh, and they're, they're babies. They're young. So I'm, I'm busy. If you, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. I did about a year of that. And had that kind of culture shock of what it's like to be on the job, not necessarily learning the job, but actually on the job. Um, I ended up transferring from that show after a year to Totem. Um, and that that show actually, when I transferred there, it kind of revived that excitement for, for performing again. There was people mm. excited to, to kind of up their game. There was people excited to really come to work. And it just wasn't the case at the specific time that I joined the uh, Corteo the first time, the last show. So yeah, that was, uh, that was my first experience in a, in a nutshell, at least. But you know, I think it, that restriction aspect, I think it's very interesting because the artists who come from a freelance background or like after doing the general formation, when you're really trained to express yourself, to let go of yourself, to like shine, then you arrive mm -hmm. on tour and then, there is this whole structure that is put in place so that artists can perform shows after shows after shows after shows. And it's true that it's, it, it can feel like some kind of a train, you know, you hop on the train, you sit and you just let yourself go. You move from point yep. A, B, C, but I had that artistic director, um, on totem who told me one time that, um, that frame, I had to look at that frame as some kind of a box, but inside that box, our, I'm free. And so she said, I know you have a storyline, mm -hmm. you have a character, you have that track, that those tricks, this choreography you have to do, but think of this of a box and try to find all the space you have in the box. And she said, within that space, do whatever you want. And she, she was very open mm -hmm. for me to try things. She said, try things. And she, the only thing she said, she said, if it's too much one way or another, I'm going to tell you. But if I don't say anything, just have fun and change things if you want to change things. Mm -hmm. But within, she said, don't get out of that box. And I think when I started to look at the- Within at the that, context. Yeah. When I started to look at the, 
at that specific thing in that way, I found actually a lot of freedom of like, oh, I can, mm-hmm. I find this moment where I can be myself, express myself. And I actually started to work even with the band, with the musician saying like, oh, like I'm adding this little thing here. Can I get just a little bell or a little, a little accent mm-hmm. here? And they were always like, yeah, sure. And they were adding this little thing here and there. And it's these tiny details here and there that really kept me alive like shows after mm-hmm. shows after shows after shows and i think but it's yeah. it's true it's you have to as an artist you have to accept that you are you still have that frame and i think that's the the trade off yeah. that you get like you work on a circ show the show has to stay the same it corresponds to the vision of a director of an artist that created it and it's and you're going to do it a lot so it's it can be challenging yeah. But I found I found a, I and, personally and, found and I, freedom in this as well. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, and and that's what I picked up uh, over time. So actually, so after Totem, I, I had left and did stuff. But over time, I, I ended up going back to Corteo for a little bit, um, actually to close out the big top, and then um, then I was going you know went back to my coaching life. But every time I come back, I learn more and more about how free you actually are within that, like you said, that frame, that context that we do have. So with maturity, I think, I think for me, it was, it was, it was a lot of maturity, just understanding like uh, you need to take care of yourself. And if you want to expand still, you have to, well, you have to find your own way. And I, I would, I would say it's a blessing that you had that, that director guide you that way, give you that kind of more or less permission to really explore within that framework. Um, and because I don't, I don't think I ever had that direction, at least in the beginning, uh, as I matured and started asking more questions and, and <laughs> kept coming back to shows, you know, then <laughs> I, I guess I got more, more um, confident in my, myself to, to make a stand for myself or just to just ask, simply ask a question. Cause honestly, I felt like, Oh, you know, I don't want to disturb anything. Yeah. Everything's functioning well, you know? So yeah. again, that, that's maturity with me though, but and, yeah, I, I love it now. <laughs> and you're talking about maturity, but how old were you when you started at Cirque? So I was, oh boy. Well, I was 28 when I had my first kid. So 29, maybe 29, 30. Okay. About, yeah, about there when, so yeah, I I was, see, (laughs) maturity doesn't, just because you're old, don't make you mature. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, and I had kids and everything, but look, man, I was, I was, I was a gymnast all the way up until Cirque. So my life had just been in the gym you know, being challenged outside of that wasn't too common. Even university, you know, I'm taking care of everywhere I go, essentially. And it wasn't until I joined Cirque and, you know, you're still, you know how, how tight that circle is. And, and we travel as, as a little family and everything, but, but still there, like they say, that word they use is autonomy. You you really don't know how autonomous you need to be until you're truly on your own. And, um, and yeah, yeah that's why sure. I say maturity because I was, yes, I was on my own, but I was always with a group of people that I was familiar with, even especially in gymnastics. It's a small world. So um, that was my first, I guess, step outside of that world. <laughs> For the most part, it's still acrobatic. So I didn't step too far, but it was enough to wake me up to go, okay, you can't be a. You just can't be a child anymore, <laughs> you know, and, and you can't, you can't wait for things. You have to, you have to move and take, start taking initiative, things like that. Yeah. And how, which part had your lifestyle and 
into that whole process and traveling because I know you are you are a very healthy person. You're very, very careful about what you eat, you, the way you train, you're meditating a lot. So how can you, how did, did that, was that always part of who you are from the beginning? Or is it, is it something that you learned to develop as in the same time of your upbringing within the shows? So, so I, I was always familiar with meditation and, and mindfulness and, and, uh, any kind of psychological approach to, to whatever I was doing. Um, been exposed to that with my dad, with martial arts growing up, the nutrition and, and um, health aspect. I'm going to attribute that completely to my wife. I mean, when we first met, we were at the, uh, we met at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. I was a gymnast and she was a snowboarder at the time. And uh, we, we'd all gather in the cafeteria and I'd look at her plate and I'd make fun of her. I'm like, look at your plate. Oh, you're eating the damn rainbow. <laughs> Cause it's like, you know, salad and they had everything reds and greens and yellows. And stuff. <laughs> she looks at my plate, my plate's completely brown fried, <laughs> fried this fried that fried French fries, you know, anything fried and, and then put some gravy on it, man. And that was, that was my, that was my sustenance. So it wasn't until I met her until I really started to, to turn it on. Yeah. Uh, but she, it's like, she'll give me a nudge and then I go off the deep end. I just go crazy mm. with it. So she, she got me, she woke me up to that. And then ever since then, so that again, maturity up until I met her, which was, you know, 27, 26, 27. when I met her, yeah. um, it, it was, it was, it was changing slowly starting to change and morph, uh, drinking less alcohol, uh, in, increasing my, my vegetable intake, stuff like that. Um, and and then we just started really dialing it in with micronutrients. By the time I met you in, in Totem, we were pretty dialed in. I think I was um, had been eating raw, completely raw. Not to say I'm not suggesting these things. I'm just you know I explore. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> um, sure. But I'm j- just to let you know like how far I went with it. So uh, I did raw yeah, vegan I, I, diet I, also for four months to try it out as well. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's tough and tough performing too. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little guy. Like, I'm not, really, <laughs> yeah. I don't have much to me. Yeah. So like when I was eating like that, I didn't have much. So I was tired constantly and it was a struggle. Another thing that, that contributed, I think, to my struggle on my first show in Corteo, just, you know, trying different things and trying to just be more mature and mm. smarter and more professional with, with how I'm approaching it, but just experimenting with it. Didn't really have, you know, somebody walking me through it. So. Yeah. All the work related to your body. So like training, nutrition, and all the work that you put into your mind preparation. So meditation, mindfulness, and everything. Like, is there like a ratio of like 80, 20, or 50, 50? Or like, what was your your recipe to combine these two? Like throughout the day? Be, throughout the day, or like in general, to be able to sustain your 10 show a week performances mm. with Corteo? Mm. Okay, so... Oh man, it's a, it's an all-inclusive lifestyle. So it's hard for me to, to, to split it like that because meditation for me, without, without meditation, I get distracted easily, which means if I'm distracted easily, it's dangerous for me because things are really fast and it makes me nervous. And if I'm nervous, it's just this, this snowball effect of, of yeah, for sure. crap, you know, that can, that can happen. And then, then I can get you know, I can get caught up in it essentially. So the meditation is an essential thing every, every day. If, if not, if not 
morning and night, at least once a day at some point, just to make sure that I'm here now collected. I know where I am, you know? Yeah. Um, nutrition again, I, if I, it, it's an all-inclusive thing. So if I get, if I allow myself to, to consume things that don't rebuild me or build me, then again, my body's suffering. I'm scared to take a landing. And then if I'm scared, I'm holding back and then da, 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 all this long list of stuff. So yeah, big time, big time. So it's like a hundred percent of the time, it's part of my life. A hundred percent of the time. I, I mm-hmm. don't know how to split it up like that so much. Um, I, I think- guess there's times where I, I guess I'm a bit more relaxed, but not too much. I like, think my, yeah. it's funny. My, it's, it's just funny you, you're asking that because it, um, my kids and, and my wife were just saying just the other day, <laughs> I like to scare them. I like because they yeah. don't pay attention to stuff and I'll sneak up on them boom, and then scare them I'm like, ah, <laughs> and, and they can never scare me. And I go, why can't you scare me? And they, they go, I don't know. Cause you're, you're tough. I'm like, no, why can't you scare me? And they go, cause you're, you always know where we are. I'm like, yes, I'm always ready. (laughs) So that's the principle. It's like, I'm always, I'm always ready. I'm always making sure that I'm coming back to center. I'm, you know, I'm always making sure that if I'm I'm leaning over too much in nutrition, eating too, like had too much cookies, then I'll bring it back, you know, but I'm not, I don't, I don't cut myself off of stuff unless it's time for that. But um, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it must be tough because I, I know, I meditate every day and I like work out every day and I kind of have this, this principle of like, of life that I need to put enough energy into proper exercising, meditation and basic nutrition. And that's for me, those three things are really like the the pillars of just Mm -hmm. health, but it's like, since the the shows I've stopped with, with the pandemic and everything, I had more time to, for these things, you know, I meditate 45 minutes mm-hmm. every day, but it's in one block and I yep. do my workout over an hour. Mm-hmm. But I know that during the show schedule, it's, it was way harder to, to pack these things into the day. And I, I found myself mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. that the mindfulness part, I think is interesting because I, I often found myself in a mindset of like, no, I have to. I have to wake up early. I have to meditate and mm-hmm. then I have to work out. And then I would, I would like force myself. And at some point I would realize like, no, I need, I need to sleep more hours. Like I just need to, yeah. to make the, de- to make the decision of being more relaxed and not because it's, it's funny, all these things, they can be so freeing, but they can put you in prison at the same time. I feel I realize like, no, I need to be more mindful about these things that I think are that I know are fueling me as a human being too. That that's the flex, that's the fe- flexibility with it. So you have yeah, to be flexible exactly. with it yeah. because life, life, life has this kind of this, this, uh, I, I, it's like this ethereal smokiness to it. You think you're going in one direction and then it turns and then it's a completely new experience, you know, that you think you're having. So to be flexible with, with the changes going on within you and around you is, is essential to health, to mindfulness. You know, it's not just a matter of being, I mean, you need to start out like you, you were being very consistent. That definitely helps to make sure that you're going to show up. But once you've established that, you know, I, I meditate once you can say that and I eat healthy, not I ate healthy yeah. last week. You know, I had a, I meditated once, you know, it's like, once you can say that, then it, it it's like, once you know what you're doing, you can do whatever you want. 
you know, yeah, it's um, right. that, that, it's that, that phrase is kind of finds its way in, in different modalities and stuff, but I've, I've heard it uh, kind of randomly, mm-hmm. but either way, it's like, once you, yeah, once you know, like a handstand, for instance, once you know what you can do, and I can hold any weird position I want. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it analogy. Yeah. Incorrect, but it still works. So just as long as you're working and flowing with yourself and with life around you and showing up, I think that's that's what matters. And even if it's showing up just a smidgen, all I have today, oh my goodness, all I have, man, all I have two minutes of of I can just breathe for two minutes, completely focused, and then I'm done. That's all I can have. Then right there is all you do. If you can do that, the next day could be 10, you know. Yeah, it's true. That's how I look at it these yeah. days. I don't. I yeah, don't yeah, go. Okay, sure. I need to wake up because that adds more stress to me. If I go, shit, I it missed, is, I missed dude. my meditation yeah. this morning, and now I have to. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm behind. I'm behind. Oh, I need to work out. You know. Yeah. I don't. And I can't do that anymore to myself. So I just say, nice and easy. I I know that I'm uh, my true heart intention and my soul intention is to do the very best I can every day with what I have. So if that's already the underlying. Um, I guess, soil from which everything's springing from. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I actually do. It's all going to be fed from that, from that uh, nourishment, I would say. Yeah. Do, do you use the, that same mindfulness idea when doing mistakes on stage, for example? Like, did you have that same care for yourself if you make a mistake on stage to say, like, I'm trying my best at this thing? Or were there times when you get sure. frustrated or have backstage and being like, ah, the only time I was really, I would say I experienced frustration with, with uh, my performance was in my first show. So when I first got to Corteo, for me, I really wanted to prove myself as a consistent performer, you know, somebody that, that can be relied upon. I just, you know, I, I am joining a team. People have been doing this for years. I do not want to mess anything up. So that was my thing. So, um, yeah, my, my goal was just to show up. So, yeah, I made... I, I wanted to make sure that I showed up for the team. So whenever I did kind of mess up, I, I would be a little hard on myself, but they reminded me, no, calm down. This is not gymnastics. This is not competition. You know, the Olympics are not on the line anymore. <laughs> you can, you, you, you're going to have to do this tomorrow and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So just chill. That's why I learned to really, really let it go and to go, okay, you know what? This, this is a performance. It is show. This is not life or death. You got to be safe, but you know, I I, re, I learned real quick to enjoy myself because that was my my main reason for joining circus to finally enjoy all the hard training that I put yeah my blood sweat and yeah, tears into sure. like I want to enjoy myself now and given what you know say in gymnastics I was doing this much I was doing you know all kinds of difficulty and circ was technically it was easier simple I would say simpler not easier but simpler uh, mm-hmm. acrobatics and stuff like that. So it really allowed me to enjoy my flight, being in the air and, you know, and making money and feed my family with it. So that's from when I, when I approach it from that perspective, then yeah, I, I really let things go. And it's true. And but then it's I, hard but I, I still show up. I still do the very, very best. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Cause I mean, you got all these eyes on you, you know, how it is when you first get in the business oh, and it's man. a big company, you know, you got, you got the names and, you hear about people that have been there. Well, that's that's a Johan right there. Oh, that's it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know all, all all kinds of stuff. So it's like you know. Yeah, you know, I I cried the first mistake I made on stage. The first time I dropped my partner, I ah. I was like, it was like the whole the whole world had collapsed. Like I was so like ashamed. Like we, you know, I brought her back yeah. up. We finished the act. 
And I think looking at back, we may have had the same kind of applause or like feedback from the audience we we were used to have, but I was demolished. Mm-hmm. I went backstage and I started crying. I was so ashamed for that same reason that there is this whole aura mm-hmm. around here and all you're working alongside with all these legends of acrobatics and circus. And, yep. and it's actually this, you know, Sasha, the coach of Russian bar, who was the original oh, coach of R- Russian bar on Alegria, who got the golden clown in Monte Carlo, like this really, this, this sensei of acrobatics. And he's the one who came to me and he, I remember he put his hand on my chest and he pretended he grabbed something and he just threw it in the garbage. And he was, and he said, don't worry. Like, Take no, it away. No, yep. Yeah. No one is hurt tomorrow. We have two shows the next day, two shows the next day, two shows. And he said, I've been doing this for 30 something years. I make mistakes sometimes. Like it's, he it was, and the fact that it came from him, it really also changed that whole yeah. perspective. Like that artist who was such a legend within Cirque du Soleil and circus in general, he is the one who came to me and be like, don't worry about it. Like you're safe. Yeah. You, you reacted like a professional on stage. Now you go back to training after the show, you, you look to watch the video, try to identify the mistake, but it's, he said, don't, don't beat move yourself on. up. Yeah. Just that's move part, on. Yeah. Yeah. Addr- the address, address the issue. It's fix the issue if there was one and move on because you're going to go again. It's a learning moment. You know, you have to suffer that, oh no, thing to be told like, no, it's mm-hmm. okay. Like, and then you grow from it and mm-hmm. everything becomes better. Yeah. It's like, you have to go through it. It's like a rite of passage almost yeah, as a performer, is, rite of passage to, to go through that and to have that, um, that psychological experience because it's big and you can take that anywhere in life after that. Yeah, it's true. And the moving forward, how, how was it to be on tour? with your family, like you said, you first started. So you didn't even start with Cirque on your own, get familiar with the environment. You just arrived right away, boom, with your wife and two kids and had to adapt with them. Yeah. How was it like to, to be on tour for them and to, for you to be traveling with your family? Uh, I mean, it's, it's exciting at first. At first it was, oh man, we're going to Europe. We're going to be touring really fast. You settle in every, it's like, Man, you get used to anything, but it, it it was really cool to give my kids that experience that's at such a young age, but I almost feel that it was almost too young. Like mm. almost like that stage, they should have stayed home because if I ask them anything now, they go, oh, I don't, I don't really remember that. So it's, it was more for, you know, uh, my wife and I to be like, oh yeah, this would be awesome. And then we get in there and we get, you know, the, the realization, the reality of it sets in and it was, it was uh, quite hard for her, you know? Um, but the more you do it, the more you also find your groove. Then you talk to other people on tour and other families that have been on tour for a while. And you see, like, how do you make this work? How do you plan ahead? Because we weren't doing it. It's kind of like winging it. All right, time to go into the next thing. Again, that, experience, that lack of experience really shows up. But I really loved the family environment there because people would step in. And man, my, my wife is called a super mom, actually, because she'd, she'd have one kid strapped to her back and carrying the other one and have like, I don't know, some groceries <laughs> and stuff walk, going through, you know, Amsterdam, Germany, all, all these different places. And, uh, and they actually joined me when I went back to Cirque and did the arena tour because the first one was big top. Traveling with your family. Mm-hmm. What are the difference between touring in big top versus touring in an arena show? I would say the, the pacing is different. 
the benefits also. So like I remember on Big Top, there was times where my my kids can come to the cafeteria and hang out and even come backstage, watch a show backstage. But they're uh, in arena. There is no technical, technically a backstage. There is a place, there's a warm up area, but every arena is different. So, um, you know, sometimes we'll have a lot of space. Sometimes we barely have any space to warm up, but we got to get it done. So there's nowhere to have people come see the show. So there was a lot less interaction of my my family and me at work. So I could they could you know it's just it was more of a hassle for them to come to work than for them to just stay home. Uh, whereas on Big Top, it was quite easy for them to come and go as they please, especially because we were in a city for you know anywhere from one to three months at a time. So it was easy to get for them to get settled and understand the, the you know, uh, transportation, all that mm-hmm. for each city. Um, but yeah, it was much less. I, I saw them less on arena and it was just real fast. So, yeah, so that that was the biggest challenge, just the pace, the pace and, and the tightness of it. Everything real tight. Were they equipped from past experiences? Because I you said you started traveling with them on tour quite early. So did they learn? how to adapt prior to the arena and, and, and did that help within the pacing of arena or like how, how was it like for I'm, them? It, it, it definitely helped having the experience of touring before just being with the company in general helps period. You know how the system works already. Um, only thing I don't think she was ready for is how fast you got to go. Like you think, oh, it's a week and you get there and you get a week. And no, you only have a few days when you really get there, settle in because you get in late at night, you know, one time. So it's it's just real hectic. <laughs> That's all I can say. Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk, the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, You can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code Tapis Rouge in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro, and use the code Tapis Rouge to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program and after six weeks, I got back on stage, but I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more 
I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. Do you think that part of you, because you were an acrobat, because you were a gymnast before and you were, you got trained to manage fear, are there things that actually you're scared of? Huh. Good question. My daughter always asks me that. What, daddy, what are you afraid of? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it. Oh, man. I'll, I'll start with the second part first. I. What scares me these days, I would say, is not living my purpose. Things don't scare me anymore. Like, literally, I mm-hmm. used to be afraid of bugs, for instance. I used to be afraid of, like, oh, shit, spider, uh, something. Now I, I let bees land on me and dance around and do stuff. Some things don't scare me. Situations don't scare me. Not living my purpose scares the shit out of me. Not giving who I truly am to my kids, which I, it's not like I can really help that. We can't help but give who we are to our kids, but the best version of myself to them, that's what scares me the most, not living up mm-hmm. to that. It's mm-hmm. not, it's, it's not things. It's not getting hurt kind of, I mean, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> so there's still a fear of, of just staying healthy and staying intact. I don't want, you know, things dangling. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's just a matter of, you know living just like you drive your car you don't just go drive all over the place you do things that keep you in the lane and um, especially with you and here and especially with you and health like you're doing so many things already with your health within your dieting your mindfulness your meditation mm-hmm. your training that you're mm-hmm. kind of doing everything you can to be healthy so if something happened there is also like a, a let go and an acceptance you have to be of like there is also as you say with the driving the car like there is not you can't, you, nobody can live a risk-free life. Like you yeah. have to, be, I mean, it's dangerous. Peace there's there's car that. crashes every day. Yeah. But we get in that car and we go, but we only, fo- what do we do? We focus on what needs to be done. 
So we do this just enough to stay in the lane and turn the signal, let everybody else know we're turning. So nothing happens. That's what needs to be done. But if we go, oh shit, there's a car there. There's a car there. There's a car over there. <laughs> oh, sorry. There's a car over there. There's a car. Over there. And you know, there's a distraction. There's your, there's your, oh shit. <laughs> and, and were you scared to deliver your own baby? <laughs> oh man. No, not at all. And no, and, 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 I, and I, I don't say, You are such a I, legend I for me arrogantly. to do this. Why? Because like, I, I just, I remember, I will always remember at that, at Christmas dinner, Kai, your wife, just casually telling me like, oh yeah, David delivered our daughter. And I was yeah. just like, himself? She was like, yeah. <laughs> And I was just on shock. I was like, what? This guy, like, you're like, uh, yeah, man. Like the MacGyver of life, man. You're like ripping off pomodoros <laughs> left and right. You're just delivering exactly. babies. Like you just <laughs> come out of here. <laughs> Get over here. You're, you're unstoppable, <laughs> dude. No, I actually, actually delivered um, our middle and our youngest. So um, I delivered two out of three. Uh, no, I wasn't scared at all. Once it's like, it's like this. I can be nervous backstage, right? Like, and the anticipation of what's to come is like the worst. But once you step foot on stage, it's go time, baby. You know, it's, it's, there's <laughs> it's no go fear. time. It's, I'm going that way. I'm catching that bar. I'm going in that direction. And there's no time for fear. So it's ex same, same exact thing uh, uh, scenario with the girls. When it was time to, to be there, I prepared myself as much as I can, you know, yeah, so, all so, the, as much information as I can. Uh, how did you do midwives. Yeah. And like, what was the first part, like the first idea of, Yeah, I'm going to learn her to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Like, how did it start it? Actually, we watched this, this uh, documentary. The documentary was called uh, The Business of Being Born. Yeah, yeah the business I heard of being about born. it. it was, yeah. yeah, it was a Netflix uh, thing a decade ago, over a decade ago now. Um, but that just opened my eyes to, you know, delivering in a hospital versus natural, just allopathic versus natural that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And, and I just got, went off the deep end again on, on that stuff. But yeah, I just started researching. And once, once my wife and I were on the same page, the rest of the world was canceled out. You know, it was just us focusing on again, what needed to be done. So we had no fear going into it. And Both of them actually. You had the support of a midwife and like, how did the, how did the whole first the, time happen? Like the whole, the first, what was your setup? What did you have oh in mind? Goodness. What was the whole thing? So check this out, man. <laughs> um, I was already on tour at the time. So, okay. So technically we didn't join, they didn't, my family didn't join me right away. I had two weeks in Paris and starting out. So I flew to Paris two weeks, had to come back to deliver my baby or, you know, my, my girl. So came back, uh, had two weeks of a tour break. She was delivered two days before I had to come back. So boom, boom, boom. She was delivered. Okay. Mwah, love you. Gotta go. They showed oh up God. in Barcelona. They showed up in Barcelona about six weeks later. Yeah. Six weeks later, they joined me in Europe. So we got a, what, a eight week old, a two month old and a year and a half old. And oh my yeah. God. Um, So the setup, that's what it was. That was the question. Sorry. Yeah. So the setup was this. We, we had a, uh, a birthing tub and that was it. We had a midwife, but she 
we didn't use her that much. So essentially it was me, her, uh, my wife and her sister. That was it in, in the house at the time. So that was it. Yeah. And that's what, so I, when she was going into labor, she was like, I'm going into labor. I was like, no, you're not. Turns out she was going into labor. I'm sitting here trying to fill up the tub because <laughs> the, the hose didn't, the hose didn't stretch. So it was a big event. I'm trying to carry this big Gatorade bucket, you know, all the way down the hall, <laughs> dumping it in there, going back to the sink, coming back there, trying to fill it up again. While it's your not, wife like, is in labor. Half. And she's sitting there in labor like, ah. <laughs> we finally got enough water in there. And then eventually, you know, baby comes out and I get in there, grab the baby, turn it, do all the stuff. And here you go. And that was that. <laughs> but how did you, how did you feel? Like how, because, okay, you were, you were in the zone. You were in the zone of that. That's, that's the one, exactly one way is. train. You know what it is. But then the baby's coming out. But one, what happened when the baby was out? Like you, were you like, okay, the baby is out, everything is good. When you click out of the zone. The zone didn't click out for another, I don't think until. Then you were on stage taking the bow at the end of the show. You were like. Honestly, man, it was more of a thing for me leading up to it. I was like, I'm going to deliver my baby. Once I did it, it was like no big deal at all. I, I didn't think everyone else thought it was a much bigger deal than I did because I'm like, for me, to this day, I'm like, I didn't do anything. I, I played catch. <laughs> you guys, need, you need to be talking to my wife. And so you come back on the show and then you're, you're getting that routine, going back, working, they arrive, mm -hmm. you're training with three kids and this is kind of your life from then. But what I yeah. know also, and I want to ask you about it, is that you, you left Cirque and came back multiple times. And can I, can I ask you, like, for I'm sure it must be a different reason all the time, but you seem to have that really that thing of when you have enough, you leave. And then when you feel ready, you come back, you're coming back. So there were, there were many reasons. So, man, especially in the beginning. So in that time of my life, it's so weird. I can say that now. <laughs> Anyways, so in that time of my life, we had made that big move towards uh, all natural, organic, being ultimate health on every level, not inputting, not, not watching anything that damages the brain, you know, that puts any kind of stress on you, not intaking anything really that would add stress to the body. So along with that, we were also looking at living as naturally as possible. So, you know, uh, living off the land, growing your own food, permaculture, uh, that kind of thing. So that was really building up. And we were talking about that, talking about buying land and, and uh, making that move off grid. <laughs> so I left Corteo. And as soon as I left Corteo, that's when they were like, well, hey, because I was still, they just hired me and I chose to leave, chose not to resign and all that stuff. And people were like, what the fuck is that? Who, <laughs> even artists were like, yo, man, like, so why? Why are you leaving? Because apparently I, I, it was, it's hard for people to leave, you know? They, they knew I was leaving, then Totem knew I was leaving. So that's, anyways, I, they picked me up. I said, well, I'm going back to the States anyways. Why not continue to make another, uh, some more money for, for a little bit, build up so we can live off grid? Um, and that's what we did. So I, I joined Totem, toured for a year there, making more money, um, still having the, the goal to live off grid. And, and that's why I left Totem too. And that's actually, we left to live in the mountains to learn how to grow our own food and stuff and live off, off grid. 
Um, and how was so, it yeah. for, for you to share? Because working for Cirque shows is a lot of hours. Like we do 12, 13 hours a day on site, mm -hmm. the shows, training, staging and everything. And how was it to be surrounded by so many different cultures? Because I, on Totem or I, I'm, and I'm sure on all the shows you have always like a dozen different cultures and mm -hmm. people have different, you know, way of living, point of view and everything. And how was it on Corteo and within that aspect and then in comparison to Totem, which was, according to what you say, a, a bit happier place to be? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think that the happiness scale had anything to do with the cultures, every, everybody's individual cultures. It, it, I, don't, I don't know if that was confused or anything, but um, the culture aspect was the easiest thing for me to deal with. Absolutely the easiest thing to deal with. First of all, I'm a multicultural human individual myself. So my, you know, my dad's black and my mom's white. Right there, learning how to live with two completely distinct cultures in one household and then, you know, families, holidays and stuff, just growing up mm -hmm. like that, you get, you get to understand that not everybody sees it the way you do. Or, or you'll just see there's difference of opinions and they're all, for the most part, acceptable and, and uh, valid. Um, so the cultural thing was, was the easiest thing. It's entertaining for me because I'm like, oh, wow, like I just, I just love watching how everybody does things different, how everybody expresses themselves in their own ways and stuff like that. So that was easy. And what does attract you in the Cirque life? What does make you want to come back always? Once you, I'll speak for myself. Once I really committed to living a normal life <laughs> and, and spent time in the normalcy, I would say, That is the biggest thing, especially after leaving Cirque, to go back to the base and wanting my family to grow and stuff like that. Realizing that you're not going to find a better job. <laughs> If you have the skills to do this job, you will not find a better job. Because you've put so much time into developing these skills, this, this way of being, not just the skills that you have, the way of being to, to, to handle that, to, to be the professional that you are. To, have, to get to that point and then to not be able to utilize that is depressing for me. It's depressing. Yeah. And it was very hard to, to, not, to not use what I have. So CERT provides an opportunity for me to actually be myself, period. To the full extent of me, who you are. To the full extent of who I am. Yes, yes you're in a framework, but you're in a framework no matter what. You're going to be in a framework that you're nine to five. You're going to be a framework that you're at your school. At your, everywhere you go, it's a certain context, right? So this is, this is one of the most unique contexts or aspects that allows you to be who you are, <laughs> to dress how you want, essentially, to, to really to explore the world um, And to hone your skills, to be even better at what you already do. This is the only job that allows you to do that. Further, there, there is a lot of um, work time, like you said, 12 to 14 hour days sometimes. 
At the same time, there is a lot of downtime. So within those 13-hour days, there's times there's you can get an hour or two of studying time. So I could I can still expand my my mind um, or develop random skills, you know, learn some other thing that has nothing to do with CERT while I'm on that job. No other job provides that that um, opportunity. Uh, so for me, and I haven't even mentioned, hey, I get to paint my face and <laughs> flip on stage for a living. I yeah. also get to do that. You know, I also get to do the job itself, which is like when, when honestly, when I found the mo- the majority of the people that would complain about the job, you know, the bitching about backstage or whatever the, the nuances of the job contain. The majority of those people never worked outside of that company or business or line of work. It was just, that was all they did. So it was like, they expect, they had a certain expectation. My expectations are anything can change. <laughs> there's always a worse job you can do. And there's always someone better that can do your job right now. So show up to do your job the best you can appreciate and be grateful for the, that you have the opportunity to do it while you can and shut up yeah. <laughs> and, just, and, and just, you know, enjoy yourself. Don't make everybody else's lives miserable just because you may, may have a, you know, a certain outlook. And yeah. I take that upon myself that no matter what I'm going through, like either keep it to myself or express it in a, in a, in a professional manner that, that allows me and everybody else to keep moving forward, not to be held back. So and my intention to go when I go on stage every time is to is to make sure that somebody in that audience has some sort of relief on their life. I don't care whatever they need, whether it's happiness or just relief or just peace or joy or whatever it is. Hopefully I've contributed to that. So I approach it like that. And I, and I, I absolutely love it. I, I absolutely love to have this opportunity again. Again, I had that the fear of, man, I hope I can actually be able to physically I'm 39 now two years completely off, you know, no activity. Um, hopefully I still can contribute to, to people's lives like that. At I'm the a- same time, I still want to show, show my daughters that, you know, Hey, daddy still got it. <laughs> and it's still pretty cool. What I do, man. I don't care what people say. This stuff uh, is cool. No, nah, I'm sure. I'm sure you got it. You're, you always <laughs> strike me as someone who had such discipline and were making the right choices. and. I think with everything you said, it you're driven by such burning passion. Like when with what you do and when you go on stage, as you say, you come mm-hmm. in a place of giving and of generosity. And on the body part, you know what you know what to do, man. You you know your body, you have experience yeah. as an acrobat, you know what to what to do to get there. I have no worries. Like you when you you'll take your when you'll take your first bow back, you'll be proud of yourself and i'm sure the audience is going to make it oh man i'm going to show it to you honestly right now i'm just like let's get to that first bow because <laughs> you know <laughs> i hear so many stories about people in the in the creation you know phase of how much work it is like oh boy here we go but no i'll be i'll be all right i'll be all right just gotta dust it off <laughs> <laughs> talking about silly stuff i have one last question for you if okay. today aliens would be landing on Earth, how would you explain what Cirque du Soleil is to them? I honestly don't think I would need to explain it. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that thing. 
<laughs> that's what we do. That, that's our, that's our, I don't, you know, that's our playground stuff, you know, <laughs> that's, that's low level stuff for them. Explain Cirque du Soleil to aliens. I, if, if they're, if they had the intelligence to get there, I, hopefully I wouldn't have to explain anything. Hopefully they understand the context of entertainment and how we fill the hearts of, of people all around the world, which is what we do. And hopefully that principle will resonate with them, not just what we're doing and that we paint our face and stuff. And it's just like, hey, understand what what the purpose is and, and how it affects humanity, not not just the, you know, the actual job. See the bigger picture. Hopefully they can see that. That would be cool. Connect with them on that level. Uh, yeah and hopefully they won't blow us up (laughs) (laughs) yes thank you so much for coming i really had a blast uh talking with you a pleasure thanks for having so much so man good luck for the training be safe and i'm sure the audience is going to be thrilled to see you swing on bars again uh thank you it's a pleasure having me thank you how great is david He's a good reminder to have grace with ourselves in our pursuit of perfection. So let's strive for greatness, but always with self-care and love. If you like this episode, please give it a good rating and review. Share the podcast on your socials with your friends, your family. Spread the word. It really helps Tapiro's growing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. All right, friends, I don't want to take more of your time. Have a great day. Remember, grace and self-care. Rock the house if you're performing tonight. And until next week, as we say in the circus, see you down the road.